This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Wilfred Zahar looking like Palace's most likely creator of something this evening. See the stars of tomorrow. Today. Welcome back to our coverage of Liverpool versus Crystal Palace from Sellers Park in the Under-21 Development League. Plays it up the line to Alessandri. Alessandri now at half point. Causing all sorts of trouble with his control, isn't he, Alessandri? Live commentary from all home development games. Only on Homesdale Radio. Live commentary. Good game. Switch coming back now. Oh, he's played a loose pass. And Sakaja will get there. Oh, Blackburn's come right out of the area and flattered. Sakaja. And it's gone free. And the keeper's way out of the area. And it's a goal for Palace. What a great finish. Live interviews. To an Arden football watcher, it was clear in my mind that we had like a bunch of new guys. And we'd lost, a, 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 you know, big name, big players for us. Scannell, Klein, Ambrose. It, we, we were never going to just come out the block swinging, were we? You know what I mean? Expert analysis. A surprise draw at the end there, Mark. A surprise to no one more than me. We didn't realise we'd scored a second goal. Well, most of the time anyway. Homesdale Radio. Whether you're listening live or to the podcast, call us now to air your opinion. 0203 4755 That's 0203 4755 Hello and welcome to Homesdale Radio. I'm Chris Hambling and I'll be guiding you through the show today as we look to review the last week for Crystal Palace. Joining me today are Alex White and Mark Ross. All right, gents? Evening. Evening, Ooh, indeed. Evening. Uh, just the two of them today, and uh, that means Mikey is manning the communications hub. Uh, Mikey refuses to speak on air, so we'll be reading your comments to ourselves, but you can send your tweets to at whole radio, that's H-O-L radio, and you can send your emails to radio at homestale.net, or you can give us a call, it's 0203 uh, Here's a quick rundown of what we do have for you today. There'll be a quick roundup of the week's news with our regular News in Brief feature. We'll talk in detail about our win up at Wolves on Tuesday night. We'll look back at yesterday's hangover-inducing epic win against Burnley. And finally, we'll get through all of your communication from the last week and what you send in tonight. But enough of that. Here is News in Brief. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. 
As heard live on Whole Radio, Atelier Lombardo's Manchester City Development Squad were the visitors to Selhurst Park last Monday night as Palace looked for their first win of the season in the Under-21 Development League. Game finished 1-1 with the Young Eagles side acquitting themselves well against a strong Manchester City team, featuring £90,000 a week Colo Torre and a host of expensively assembled foreign talent. You can watch the highlights complete with Whole Radio's commentary on Palace Player. The box office currently have a number of forthcoming games on sale, but pleased to inform you another one, and that is the one the supporters will be attending in big numbers. After the success of last season's Palace on Tour Day, we can confirm that this match is chosen by the supporters to really get behind the boys on the road this season. The match at the King Power Stadium takes place on Saturday the 27th of October, kick-off at 3pm. For the Millwall home game on the 20th of October, season ticket holders in the Arthur Way stand will be asked to relocate their seat for this game and will be given an additional ticket for a guest for the Ipswich game on November the 6th as a gesture of goodwill. Online ticket sales for this game will be for season ticket holders only and tickets for home, categ- uh, for home areas will be only sold to supporters with a Crystal Palace booking history. Tickets are now on sale for Crystal Palace supporters at a Category A prices. This means no tickets will be available for sale on the day of the game. Finally, on News in Brief, the latest news is that Palace are fourth in the league, ahead of Brighton, Hove Albion, Mill and Charlton Athletic. Things are as they should be. News in Brief. brief, brief. Whether you're listening live or to the podcast, call us now to air your opinion. 0203 4755 That's 0203 4755 Okay, well, welcome back from all that. <laughs> um, just before we go on and talk about this Wolves game, just a little prompt for you. Um, next week, obviously, international break. Uh, so instead of having a break ourselves, what we actually have got for you, rather excitingly, is the return of Mark Bright. Now, Mark was uh, interviewed by us. I think it was one of our one of our first shows, probably about a show, I don't know, three, four, something like that. And obviously, we had loads of questions at the time, and... We're all a bit nervous and what have you. So um, he's agreed to come back and we're going to sort of continue that interview, hopefully in a bit more of a professional way than we did last time. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so make sure you don't miss that next week. And if you've got any questions for, for Mark Bright, do send them uh, probably best by email, radio at homesdale.net. We'll collate all those. We'll, we'll go back a bit and see if we can find the old ones that we had as well that we didn't get to. And um, yeah, looking forward to another great long chat with, with Mark Bright. Uh, but but where we start is um, is at the Wolves game, and, and before we go any further, we're going to go to regular listener Jerry's voicemail. Hi, Chris, Ben, Jill, and Albert. What a what a wonderful eight days in a trio of shock and awesome results we have pri- we've we've had the privilege to experience. The team are playing for each other like I haven't witnessed for some considerable time. So many pluses. Though the prime player in this hall of points is undoubtedly Wilfred X-Factor Saha. For without his presence, Palace wouldn't have the nine points. The, the large crowd and the atmosphere were treated to an A1 afternoon. Over the past weeks, much discussion has centred around Wilfred's qualities. If people feel Wilfred's best position is outside left, then think again as he has shown he can beat opponents anywhere on the pitch, cutting in from the left, right and centre, and releasing sublime shots and scoring. Yes, Wilfred does need sometimes to pass the ball more occasionally, 
in goal attacking situations but the simple fact is without his masterclass and brilliance he creates and gives we wouldn't have the chances in the first instance simply put Al Wilford is threatening to be the best player I have seen in a Palace shirt. No player is irreplaceable or bigger than the club, including Wilford, but I feel at the moment he is indispensable to us. We need to make every effort to keep him at the club for the foreseeable future, as I feel our aspirations will be better achieved if we can resist offers that will undoubtedly come his and Palace's way. Yes, every player has their price, but I'm unsure at this stage what the true value of Wilford's rapid potential and promise is worth. What are your thoughts and feelings about this, fellas? Wishing you all the very best. We're a great club. Wilford done the bebop at the Reebok, danced with the Wolves at Molyneux, and made the Burnley players look punch drunk. Here's to the Palace. Awesome message once more from Jerry there. Very, I love love his creative language. Um, I mean, yeah, the focus of that, clearly Wilfred Zaha and, and obviously Wilf stood out an absolute mile in this game we're about to review. Up at Wolves, but obviously early thoughts, lads, on, on, on what Jerry's been saying there about how, you know, is, you know, is Wilf shaping up to be the best that you've sort of ever seen? Are either of you going to talk to me or are you, are you, are you all right? <laughs> Yeah, no, I was going to say that <laughs> in the last, I would say probably since probably we had AJ at the club, he's the most exciting player that that we've seen come, and especially as he's come out of the academy as well, it makes it all the more sweeter. Mm. Um, but everyone's got a price, I suppose, on their head, and uh, that's what most fans are worried about, losing him, aren't they? And every game he seems to get better, and uh, and his price seems to go up. But... Uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Well, well, Alex, you're, I mean, obviously you're a young slip of a lad, so you've not obviously not no, seen I, that many players. Is he the best you've seen? Uh, Bar Johnson, yeah. Uh, I think he can be better. Just need to continue how he's doing, and why not? Yeah. All right. Fair deuce. Uh, I've noticed uh, Lee's tweeted in about Wilf, and he said that he saw something from Wilf the Wolves game, uh, which I, which he thought that he lacked, and, and that was strength. But his second goal. Uh, was amazing um, he's, and, and again Lee's saying we're without doubt the best player we've had in many years and without doubt the best player in the championship I couldn't agree more and, and I know exactly what Lee's saying about that second goal up at Wolves uh, I heard a commentator of some sort, I forget which one uh, liken it to, to Didier Drogba which is you know, out of this world really um, it's better than him <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I mean yeah, let's go Let's go back to that, that game at Wolves then um, yeah. Obviously, the, the Palace team um, for that for that game, uh, you had well, we had obviously uh, Sperone in goal, but Ward coming in for uh, right back, uh, Moxie in at left back, with um, it was uh, Delaney and Blake uh, in the centre back positions because uh, I think Ramage only made the bench due to, for fitness reasons. We had Balassi start out on the um, le- uh, right hand side, and with Zahar on the left. We had Williams, Garvin, and Jedinak in the midfield. Obviously, missing KG, who's been a you know a huge player for us this season. There's a few concerns over his um, you know him miss being missing from the squad, uh, which obviously gave a, a chance for O'Keefe to get himself back in the 18, which is amazing considering how strong O'Keefe finished last season that he can only just about make a squad. But um, yeah, obviously um, 
Glenn Murray up top on his own. Uh, although these days, much much better supported by everyone else. So it doesn't quite feel as bad saying Glenn Murray up top on his own because he's seldom on his own. But I mean that you know that was the team we took we took to Wolves, and obviously the the idea being uh, that Garvin was to sit a little bit deeper and try and you know get you know get more in the ball and start spreading the play and that sort of stuff with Williams trying to occupy that more attacking midfield role, uh, and it worked reasonably well. I think the early exchanges though saw you know saw that physical Wolves side that be you know their main threat was one player. It was it was Sacco. He's kind of for want of a better way of explaining it, he's, he was their Wolf Zaha. He was the guy who put, put Ward under a huge amount of pressure. Now, Ward, I thought, did well because I think, you know, it was almost impossible to stop someone like that running you at pace, get, getting as many crosses in as he did. But Ward was, you know, he had good recovery, kept up with him and, and quite often moved across to help the centre-backs as well. So I don't think, you know, I think, I think he did well to cope with what Sacco threw at him. But... We had to be content with playing on the break for the first part, and you, you expect that. It's the Premiership side, they've just come down, just got relegated, and they're expecting to win that game against Little Old Palace. But we grew into the match, and, and you know, the Wolves did have the early chances. Sproni had to save well early on from, from Sylvain Evenks Blake. He it got a header off of one of those crosses coming in from Sacco. Uh, one of Sacco's crosses did hit the sort of angle of post and bar. It looked like an attempted cross anyway. Uh, and then, yeah, Doyle. Doyle actually put in a cross for for Sacco to have a shot which went high and wide so I mean end product really wasn't there for Wolves and they created quite a lot but as the more the, the half went on more the game wore on um, Zahar got you know got running at the Wolves box and this is really the first talking point guys we talked about it before we talked about the, uh, certainly what Zach Knight was saying about Zahar winning the penalty against him and how it might start to work against us uh, we saw that in the Burnley game which we'll come to later on but we, the first sort of real signs of it was in this Wolves game. Balassi played Zahar down on the right-hand side. Zahar ran into the Wolves box. Sacco sort of was running back and, and just clearly tripped him, absolutely tripped him. It was right in front of the away fans. We saw it, although we were up ridiculously high in their new stand. But, we, you know, we saw a clear penalty. <laughs> One of the Wolves defenders, he just put his head in his hands, started shaking his head at the ridiculousness of the challenge and then turned around and got the shock of his life when the referee hadn't given anything. So, and sort of nonchalantly jogged off. So, I mean, that's the first we've seen in it, guys. So, I mean, if I start with you, Mark, really, um, yeah. do you think it's a sign of things to come? Are you, are you worried that Wilf's not going to get any decisions in the penalty area? Um, I think there is, obviously, it, it reminds me a bit of, of the days when Andy Johnson, was, who we were talking about earlier, um, won us a string of penalties one season, and then he sort of like was sort of denied penalty chances. Uh, you know the following season, but I think um, it's it's difficult because you don't you don't I I don't know how Doogie gets you know him to uh, make a decision as to whether he's going to go down or not go down. You know in terms of um, you know his options, but Ooh. it was definitely it was definitely a penalty. Although I wasn't there, I've I've seen it on on the replay several times, and he definitely catches him. And he goes down, and 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 you have to think to the referees beforehand that they thinking, oh, that that Zaha, he goes down easily, or he he's won the side quite a few penalties. I'm going to keep an eye out and make sure. That, yeah, I think the, there is a lot of focus on him, mm. and I think that there is maybe a tendency, and I think we saw it again, as you said, uh, uh, on Saturday. Yeah. 
um, uh, he was denied a penalty. So I think there is an element of 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 referees being cautious, shall we say, about giving penalties. It is a worry. I mean, obviously, we we have had a lot of penalties this season, um, but you know, if, if, <laughs> if there's been a lot of fouls in the penalty area on players, and I know you mentioned obviously the decision whether Wilf goes down or not. Uh, Alex, I bring you in on that. I mean, do you think Wilf is someone who's anticipating a challenge and going and you know making a choice to actually go down in the penalty area or do you think he's actually just been fouled and can't can't stay on his feet uh, I think I think it's a mixture of both I think that's the way the game's going really at the moment you watch the Premier League people are out to win penalties so if a challenge comes in then I think a player's going to go down for it um, I think he's picking up media attention like Johnson did and I think referees will think before the game well he's got attention from from you know perhaps other people's use of diving so I'll look out for that and if he goes mm. down then I'll, I know that I think that's not a penalty so yeah this is a very good answer mate but I don't you know I say it worries me because it shouldn't no matter what yeah. way which way you look at it it shouldn't be that way should it you shouldn't be you should look at each individual you'd like to think a referee can look at each individual decision on its merit and that you know for example in this game it wasn't like the referee couldn't see. There's absolutely no doubt. And again, there's enough footage on it. I know Pete, who, uh, who posts on Homestale's Oxen Eagle, if you search out his thread, he's took some footage himself, and it's an absolutely fantastic angle you can see. And there's just absolutely zero doubt. And it's not even one where, where what we're talking about, where Wilf's anticipated a challenge. It's just uh, it's, a, it's an attacker making a defensive challenge in his own penalty area, and it being a ridiculous challenge. And... And say so it may really, it re- absolutely worries me because it might cost us one, one day. Uh, sorry, do, do you Alan. think? Um, do you think it goes down too early, Chris? Do I th- or too easily, rather? Um, I don't. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I well, at I mean, times, what I'm basically again, saying is, like, do you think he, he, he could be stronger and stay up, and or do you think he is looking for? Right. I mean, I, no, I, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I don't. I think. I think he does anticipate a challenge is i wouldn't say he he flat out dives uh i thought the 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 thing against bolton with the one that knight was complaining about i thought initially that was a dive but having you know when i watched it back i saw it quite clearly wasn't he did catch him and he did step right across him but i do think that the contact that that knight made on wilf probably wasn't enough to to genuinely knock him over uh i just felt that he he wanted that to happen and you know as as alex was saying it's part of the game uh, alex said he wanted Make another yeah. point on that. Yeah, I was just going to say about you know referees not making the decisions. And I think in part, you know, the amount of criticism that referees get these days for you know giving a penalty if it's not a penalty will outweigh the decisions of of not giving one for something that is. So I think that that's playing in the back of their mind that you know if I give this penalty and it's wrong, it means more than if I if if I don't give it. Yeah, I suppose it, it, it was always the easy option not to give it, isn't it? it it's safe option, isn't it? But I think, Chris, um, another thing uh, that you alluded to about the fact that I think it's five penalties, isn't it, the most in the in the mm. championship, is because, not just because it's wealth, but because we have been awarded so many penalties, I'm sure the refs look at the stats and who's been booked and who's been sent off and who's, how, how many you know, penalties teams have been awarded. I don't know whether they're supposed to look into all this or not, but I'm sure they probably do. And they probably look, go, well, Palace have we have been given, you know, five penalties already this season, and the next team to be in the highest number is two. So there must be something strange going on, you know. And maybe they're a bit hesitant, not not just with Wilf, but with anybody, you know. Yeah, because that's. We're, we're playing such, but but to me, we're we're 
we are winning these penalties because of the type of football that we're playing this season. Mm. And, uh, you know, and that particular style of football forces defenders to make challenges, rash challenges, and, and, and cause fouls. And, and, and because of the way we're set up this season with two wide men and Murray in the middle and players on the flanks bursting into the box... There's obviously going to create panic in the defence, and 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 challenges are going to be made. And and when you've got people with the pace and trickery of Zaha around, um, decisions you know should go for Palace, you know, and they have been. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right to pick on the style of play is what's creating these chances, and it's 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 also what's what's you know getting lads like Johnny Williams kicked all over the place as well as Wilf, and you know, it, I you know I I have my worries that that. We're not. We're getting into a situation now. Again, I'll talk, talk about Saturday later on. But the referee was pathetic on, on Saturday, uh, and again at Wolves, um, one of the situations was that that Williams was getting kicked absolutely all over the pitch, particularly by Kyle Henry. Um, it took a good fifty minutes for Henry to actually find his way into the book, and and in the end, Wolves had to substitute him because he was going to get sent off. But basically, every time Williams got the ball. Cole Henry smashed him to the floor, and it ended up with Williams accidentally, in a, in a, you know, in a, you know, getting him because you know he's not sure of the physical battle, and, and he got involved in a physical battle, and it ended up with um, their player Pesco going off, uh, and he's probably out for the season with damaged knee ligaments. And that, I mean, to me, you can say what you like about Wolves being physical, and you can say what you like about Williams, you know, getting involved in a physical battle. But at the end of the day, that for me, the responsibility there lies with the referee not being in control of the football match. So that, those are things that are starting to worry me. And I'd, it would, I'd hate to see this wonderful Palace team playing this lovely attacking football be, you know, find, have, it, have it all go wrong just because a referee can't, can't keep control of a football match. And that, that really is my worry. Um, but I'm gonna move, let's move on from that for, for now. We've obviously talked about that situation. Where, where we were in the game, obviously we were sort of, um, sort of going on at nil-nil, sort of, you know, like I said before, we were playing on the break. We're doing okay. You know, defending quite well. Uh, Zacco was their main threat, and um, just sort of out of nowhere, second half kicks off. Um, ball went across to Damien Delaney in the centre defence. Delaney's been an absolute rock for us since he signed, but he just had a little bit of a moment. He sort of stuttered in possession and seemed to sort of kick the ground instead of the ball. And he banks Blake just took it straight away, from, straight off his feet, smacked the ball under Julian Speroni, one nil. And you know you, you sort of look at it and you're thinking you just can't do that against against a team like this. You cannot just give them a goal out of nothing for no reason. And we wobbled a little bit. Uh, Kevin Doyle should have made it two 0 really. Uh, hit the bar. There was sort of a shout for a penalty from a handball, and it did look like it hit. I think it was Joe Ward's, Joe Ward's hand, but the ball broke to Doyle. Doyle smashed it at the goal, came off the bar, and um, I think Palace probably drew strength from that little escape there. And, and not too long after that. That that man Wolf Zaha um, sort of ran up, got right up alongside Glenn Murray, and the two of them do work well together. If they don't, they don't off moan at each other, but they do work well. And um, a long ball sort of into the channel, sort of bounced over Murray's head. He got a little shove from the defender. Um, some people are saying Murray was in an offside position, so maybe the defender did him a favour by shoving him out of the way of the ball. Uh, came off the defender's head, dropped to the feet of Wolf. Hopefully, you've all seen it by now. But if you haven't, basically, he twisted the. You know, two or three defenders one way or the other before rifling it into the bottom corner. Lovely finish for one-one, and obviously we were you know went mad in the away end. It was just didn't didn't really expect us to come back to you know in this game. Really, it was um, fantastic to see, and it really was moments later. It felt like moments later that Owen Garvin has just hit a 
sensational pass. I mean, that's what he's capable of. Left footed, drilled it straight to Wilf Saho, made a fantastic run across the defence. You know, way up there. He's the most you know far forward player in a central position, coming in and off that wing. He's Dougie's talked about. It. He's clearly learning the game and how to you know how to move and how to you know basically make himself a striker. Uh, despite the fact he's been playing wide, he can still be in striking positions, in goal-scoring positions. And again, you would have seen this one, no doubt. Takes the ball down on his chest, foot on the ball, little bit of a drag, little bit of a turn, smashes it in from 20 yards. One of the best goals, we're all saying, one of the best goals we've ever seen live. Just an absolute privilege to see it, to be right behind it. Okay, miles away, we practically needed binoculars where we were, but what a great strike. And And it was just... You know, we we saw the way we saw the game out as well. Possession football did not let them have the ball. The easiest way to defend is to have the football, and it's so nice to see it now. And well, guys, if I can come back to you and and, and ask you what you thought of that that well, the two goals from Wilf. I'll start with you, Alex. I thought the first goal was just incredible. I know you're saying how how the second goal was probably one of the best you've seen, but the first goal for me showed that the defender didn't have a clue how to deal with Wilf when he got in that position. You know, you can see a couple of them just diving in, trying to get trying to get in the way of the ball because because they don't know what he's going to do, and he's so unpredictable. And I just thought that first goal was just something very very special. I think it just said a lot about him. Mm. Mark? Uh, well, the second goal, for me, it was uh, basically down to a fantastic ball from Owen Garvin, wasn't it? Uh, Zaha did all the, the work, bringing it down, turning, rifling it into the roof of the net. But I have to say, I thought it was an absolutely cracking ball by Owen Garvin. We'll talk about cracking balls uh, later on <laughs> in the Burnley <laughs> game, because it was yeah. one or two. Uh, but what I was going to lead on to was I thought um, it's interesting to see how Doogie Freeman's setting up his team now, um, depending on the oppo, depending on whether we're home or away. And I was going to ask you, Chris, because I wasn't there, but I have seen the highlights, but that doesn't mm. obviously tell me much. Owen Garvin, yeah. you know, away win, heart of the defence, creates uh, this great chance for Zaha with a fantastic long crossfield ball and he gets dropped on Saturday now mm. I'm just thinking how or how do you think that Doogie Freeman's looking at this is he is he trying to keep yeah. everybody happy um, or, or is because Maritz I don't think hasn't played in an away game this season mm. yeah and, Maritz, started. and Maritz, I just wondered you've been there of course mm. how how Garvin performed and whether you deserve think he deserved to be dropped for Saturday yes yeah, there's a lot of angles to that really I mean first of all just to say about Maritz Maritz did come on in in the Wolves game and he did change probably changed the course of the game really with with the way he came on but the thing the, the focusing on, on Garvin he is I think he's he's like signing we've signed a new player really the way he the way he's played this season um what's basically happened is he's he's obviously for whatever reason it might be that it's the last year of his contract and he's thinking about he's got to go whether he stays or goes to another club he's got to give you know got to give people a reason to take him and it might just be that was a motivation, or it might just be that he's bought into what what we're doing and the way we're doing things now. I, I don't know what it is, but something has changed with with Owen Garvin. And he he has been able. It's been weird. He's been asked to play that role, sort of at the the attacking point of the midfield in some games, where he's had his back to goal. And he, he spoke. He was on did an interview with him on Palace. They did an interview on Palace player with him, uh, and he was talking about that being quite a weird thing to do and how he liked. You know he likes to be facing goal and to, to have time on the ball, which is what he did against Wolves, and we saw what he did. And like you say, that that 
the chance he created. That's you know that's classic Owen Garvin. Even before this season, that's the sort of thing you'd expect of him to be able to hit a pass like that, you know, pinpoint across the whole pitch. It was just absolutely fantastic. So I mean, he he didn't. I wouldn't say he deserved to be dropped. But what I think is going on, uh, Dougie's not really. I wouldn't the sort of person I would expect to be bothered about keeping people happy for the sake of it and weakening a team. I think he's just he has decided that the best way to keep us fresh and, and to not suffer the same loss in form that we suffered last season where people got tired, you know, and could not you know, you you pick the same team every week, you you're gonna you're gonna tire people out. And I think he's got a fantastic rotation policy going now. And it is great to see. It's great to know that, that you have the the strength in depth to drop someone like Garvin who was but for Zaha was close to man of the match against Wolves. So, I mean, I was extremely impressed. Um, I can also see the logic in what Dougie's doing, and I think it's keeping people fit and it's keeping them on their toes. As you say, good, good to have competition all over the park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I mean, if we want to... I mean, let's... Well, I'll, say, like, I'll sort of touch on a few other little bits and pieces before we uh, move on, actually. Um, obviously, we've talked about Zahar being denied the penalty. I've talked about Alan Garvin and, and the possession football with... Obviously mentioned that O'Keefe saw his way back into the squad. Still got no pitch time, but um, it's starting to look less likely like he's going to get any at the moment. So maybe, maybe send him out on loan. Um, in terms of the atmosphere, it was a good good little gathering, if you like. Um, there was only a few hundred. Uh, there's a new stand at Molyneux. It's um, sort of a two-tier stand, and it's, in, it's very impressive, I have to say. There's a picture on our Twitter account, if you look closely enough. Um, but we were absolutely miles away from the pitch. It's about as high as I want to ever go up in a football match. It was, yeah. Um, and shall we stay that, say that the stairs upwards were a little on the steep side and caused some problems? But yeah, we had a lot. We had, did have <laughs> did have a lot of fun up there. Um, thank God for Eagles fitter fans. Otherwise, I might not have made it. But um, I just thought, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know what's what it's like, really. I can't really remember what it's like being a Premiership supporter. So I don't, I don't know what's happened to Wolves fans. They don't quite understand banter anymore. Um, they got a little upset with with basically us singing songs about them being unemployed and earning four pounds an hour and stuff like that. And they decided to sing a "We All Hate Cockneys" song, which we obviously joined in with because <laughs> clear, clearly we're not Cockneys and we're not mad. I was shouting how much I hated West Ham to them. They didn't really understand. Um, but they sang. They actually sang a song to us about. We thought it was. We thought you'd gone home. We thought you'd gone home after they scored. And we're like, That's, I don't really understand what that is. Does anyone? What they say? Mm. Like, like, yeah, don't know. Don't don't really understand them. But um, it was nice to be up there and close to some Wolves fans, so we could really rub it in when we went two one up. So I enjoyed that. And um, sort of final final point. Really, man, the match. Wolves Zaha. You know, no two ways about it. Won the game really, but. Um, you know, it's another good team performance. So another good team display. Uh, saw out a game well, but, but Zaha is just on another level at the moment, and it was it's great to see. So um, before we move on to Burnley, just as a quick reminder, obviously that uh, next next week, yeah, next Sunday we will be talking to Mark Bright. If you've got any questions for Mark Bright that we haven't asked previously or you've not heard us ask previously, uh, radio at homesdale.net. Send them to there. And we will ask them for you. Oh dear, sorry, I'm choking slightly on my wine. Um, <laughs> apparently, I've got to plug the chat room. So www.holradio.net forward slash chat. Um, yeah, there's some great guys in there. Uh, yeah, 
That sounded sincere, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, another has a couple of little things I wanted to pick up on as well. Got an email in from Tyler Smart. Um, he's mentioned that we've obviously whole radio have been running. If you don't know, we've been running a FIFA 13 tournament. It's in its early stages, and I'm already been knocked out today. Uh, which is a shame. So Mikey's got to fly the flag really for for whole radio and try and win that. Uh, congratulations to Dean who beat me. <laughs> um, but um, Tyler's trying to start one for PS3 because we do it on Xbox. So if you have a look on Homesdale.net, uh, have a look in General Talk, and you'll find there's a there's a FIFA 13 tournament thread in there if you want to go with that. Um, so that was good. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember some other things. There was a, a tweet from Kieran Nash. I'm struggling, guys. Hold on. Where is it? Where's it gone? Oh, man. It was you're the one ab- about Moritz. I think it was, but you're absolutely... Uh, I've no got right. it here. Go yeah. on, go on. Yeah, you, can you read it out? Uh, Kieran Nash, she says, um, basically, Moritz, natural playmaker, quality signing, along with Delaney. Um, find it hard to see mm. how McCarthy is going to fit in at the moment. Oh, I think we all pretty much agree with that, really. <laughs> well, look, let's have, a, let's have a chat about that now, because yeah. I know that's... Um, I want to talk well specifically. Let's talk about the centre back positions with, with McCarthy. Uh, it was something that people were talking about after the game in the pub, and it was something that I've I've seen asked a couple of times. I think Ramsey asked us to talk about it as well in the match thread on Homestead.net. So, well, personally, if we if you look at the team that played yesterday, if Blake's going to play right back, which I'm not hugely keen on at the moment, but if Blake's going to play right back, or Ward's going to play right back, uh, if we're going to keep Delaney. I can see. I could. I would just replace McC- uh, Ramage with McCarthy. That's how I see it. I don't. I don't see that anything blocking McCarthy's way into the side. Uh, that could change. If, what about uh, Gabadon? Danny, yeah, if Danny Gabadon's fit, that could change. That Gabadon could prove to be a could be a real problem for Paddy to get back in the side. But I think at the moment Paddy's probably six weeks or so, and and like, um. Yeah, I, again, that's probably optimistic. I think someone saw him and said he's he's going to be six weeks. Six to eight weeks. Exactly. But like, I just it's going to be hard because he got injured at a point in pre-season, and if you lose your pre-season, it, it's a hard you know it's a hard slog to get back. Um, and you would you want to fully fit Paddy back in the side? You don't want him to come back half fit and try and play his way into fitness. It's it's going to be a long old road for him to get back in anyway. But I don't see. There's lots of threads, and Jed Nack's done a fantastic job as as captain, um, as you would expect from from a man who's been handed the armband. You, you, that's what you'd expect of him. Uh, but I don't see any need to replace Paddy as full time captain, and I certainly don't see any reason for Paddy to fear that once he's back to his best, that he won't get in the side. That's just my view. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Um, what do I think? I think Delaney. Uh, he's done. He's done very well, but I think. There's a difference between him and McCarthy, and I'm a particularly a McCarthy fan. I think if you you know if you see over the, the few games that Delaney's been there, you see maybe three people challenging for one ball. When McCarthy's in that side, no one else challenges other than McCarthy because they know it's his ball and he's the dominant centre half. And uh, I don't know if if Delaney and McCarthy will work because I think they're reasonably similar. Uh, and you know I think that. As we saw last season, the Gardner and McCarthy worked really well together because they're very, you know, very different centre half. So maybe I, I would personally try and get Gabadon and McCarthy if Gabadon can get fit and get playing. That's um, yeah, I suppose not a 
not a bad shout. Obviously, we may we may lose. Yeah, like say so may lose Delaney anyway. But I don't know. I kind of had this hope. I know what you're saying now. I kind of had this hope that, that Delaney and McCarthy would play together. Um, but you're right; they are quite similar. And when they make mistakes, they're of a similar nature. Although Delaney hasn't scored any own goals yet. But um, <laughs> <laughs> all been sent off. Uh, last last word on it, Mark. Yeah. Well, I don't think. I mean, it's it's probably be Christmas before. Paddy's back, or in contention, shall we say? But so at the moment, if if I was picking a back four, and I mean I'm not talking about rotating it, but if I was to choose my starting back four, I'd have Ward at right back, Parrot left back, and Delaney at Blake as centre halves. Personally, I think uh, Moxie's not had a great start to the season. I know he set up a goal on Saturday, mm. uh, but. Um, uh, that would no. be my preferred. That would be my preferred back four. Would be Ward and Parr as the fullbacks, and Delaney and Blake as the centre halves. Um, you've just, you've just. I, yeah, I don't, I'm going to do it anyway. I know we want to get on to talking about the Burnley game, but very, very quickly. I suppose it's relevant to the Burnley game as well. Um, do you think Parr's been up to the standard that he was last season? Um, I, um, well, he's kind of been in and out of the side, hasn't he? And I, I think. I mean, you're saying about this rotation thing. I think it suits some players and it doesn't always suit other players. Some players benefit playing week in and week out, you know, and some mm. need a rest. And I think Parr is one of those players who should, who he just seems to have that ability to just play. I mean, was he played 70 odd games or something last season, didn't he? Or yeah, was yeah, that yeah. something? He it just seems to, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause he was the end of the Norwegian season as well. Uh, but I think um, that, He's the kind of player that we need. He needs. He needs for to get see the best out of Johnny Parr. He needs to play every week, in my opinion. But how you accommodate that into the team, I don't really know. And it looks like he's doing a job of of rotating the squad. So it looks like he'll be in and out, and him and Moxie might might swap places quite regularly this season. But. Uh... And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, I haven't been. I've been more impressed with Parr than I have been with Moxie, and I think Parr is is a better is a better left back certainly this season anyway. And and to me, he's the sort of player who who needs to play every week. And I think when he just comes in for the odd game or comes on for twenty minutes or something, it's difficult for him to get into the game. Mm. I think it's a really good observation, Mark. Actually, you're right. I mean, for example, I know D- Dougie actually said this last season. He said that Wilf Zaha is a player who needs to play every week to build up steam, to build up speed, and you can't really rest him. And he said, funny enough, Paddy's actually one of those as well. So, like, it's, it's yeah, it's really, really, 
yeah, part, part, you're right. He does strike me as someone who needs to build up that momentum. So maybe that is a problem. So that's been an interesting one for the rest of the season, I think. I think, personally, I, I, I asked a question because I think Parr hasn't quite looked up to speed. You know, he, he looks a little bit unsure in possession and he looks a little bit just fractionally off the pace. He's still a very good player and he's into play with, uh, with Moxie for, for the cross for Murray's goal yesterday. It was, it was top quality, but... I've always been like, yeah, because I've always been quite, I mean, last season, we didn't have the options last season that we do this season, but I thought Moxie and Parr, one playing in front of the other on the left side, was a great combination. They seemed to really work well together, but obviously things have changed and moved on and we've brought players in and there's more of a selection issue going on now and, and that sort of, that partnership seems to have sort of been broken up just by the influx of new players really and and the change in style of the game that that you know Doogie's adopting so um as i say i, I just think that uh power struggles i mean he he only had 20 minutes didn't he against wolves yeah yeah um and that was probably just to shore up because he came on for williams didn't he i think mm. so that was probably just to shore up the the defensive side of things um so uh, I think, yeah, as you say, it'll be interesting to see how things develop over the season. Yeah. But I think he's a great squad player, and um, he always gives a hundred percent. So uh, I haven't got. Yeah, no, with. I mean, the thing is, it's you know, as our player of the year last year, and I'm and, and I'm, I'm I'm in a position where suddenly I'm analysing his performances and wondering if he's, you know, up to as good as he was. But clearly, he's a he's a good player. I just I just think it's an interesting situation, and it's, I think it's good good point that you bring up. Anyway, let's, let's get ahead and uh, look at this Burnley game. And first up, we've got a quick word from Dougie. Very, very happy for the, the group of players in there because I think it's been a tremendous week's work. Great physical effort was put into these three games that we've won. You know, it's, and it's three different games where we've had to, you know, come uh, a goal down at, uh, on Tuesday night to give a, a, a great display in attacking. And today was going to be difficult for us, you know, they're not going to come here and lie down. We, uh, I felt they scored two goals against the run of play. I didn't see it coming, to be very honest with you. Two quick goals that put us in the back foot. But I feel that uh, I feel the, the response from the lads, the, the, the spirit we've got in the dressing room right now, and that little bit of quality up top, you know, won is the game. I felt that in the second half, when we're up to tempo, there's only going to be one winner. Well, he's got a dead leg, and the thing is, for young Wolf, the experience and injuries these days, it's it's difficult because he's, he's he's new. Well, he's not new at the game, but he's 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 new to injuries, so he's got a dead leg, which he thinks his leg's been bitten by a shark, you know. <laughs> and I'm trying to tell him it's just a kick, and you're going to get many of these. But right now, Wolford's, uh I think Wolford's calling an ambulance to take him home. It's, uh, he thinks it's that bad. <laughs> he's got a dead leg. Uh, these are very very sore for the first 48 hours, maybe a little bit longer, but you know, he goes away with England, I'm sure, they look after him tremendously well there, so I'm sure when they assess him, they'll, uh, they'll make their decision on how he is, really. <laughs> Fantastic comments from Dougie mm. there. I uh, particularly enjoyed the Wilf getting bitten by a shark comments. Uh, there's a, there are a few got, I can't even remember, it's so hard to remember what happened at the pub last night, but I can remember <laughs> some people telling me that they'd spoken to Wilf, and he... And he oh, I did, I spoke to yeah, him that was it, game. yeah. Cool. And um, I said, "How's the leg?" And he was like, "You know, he's quite a shy guy yeah, when you yeah, actually yeah. when you actually front him. He is actually quite a shy guy." And uh, he was kind of like moaning, like <laughs> and sort of like, and as Doogie said, you know, you, you'd think like a shark had bitten his leg, and <laughs> he's got a dead leg, and I don't know whether he's like just 
milking it or what, you know. But I mean, mm. he, I said, "Oh, are you going to be all right for you know England?" And he goes, "Oh, I hope so," you know. And it was all sort of like as if he wasn't going to be looked after, you know. <laughs> it's like really bizarre. But I mean, I just thought um, uh, it was just funny when you when you, when you speak to him. He's very very um, shy and he yeah. he doesn't give a lot away. But uh, it's quite hard to get anything out of him, really. To be yeah. quite honest, nice guy and everything. No, but, I did see uh, the. You know, pictures of uh of uh, a gentleman who I'm, whose existence i'm aware of let's put it that way getting wilf to sign his bare back <laughs> which uh, wilf seems slightly traumatized by so uh, good stuff it's great to have that interaction with the fans and the players we were talking about that as well at the pub last night and it was how um, you know you sort of ask fans of other clubs do you, you know can you do you just go to to your players lounge in your stadium and and just the players come and talk to you and the chairman comes and talks to you sometimes there yeah. and the management. You just um, um, and the answer is most of these clubs is no, of course not. That's ridiculous. We're kept away and it's just part of the great thing at Palace at the moment is the togetherness with the fans. Um, I just noticed a question coming from Ross Phillips. I want to ask just before we get into Burnley. Um, and Ross has asked. Um, do we think the likes of uh, Easter and David Wright will ever get back into the team? And, and how can we fit O'Keefe into AD's development? Dougie's all about developing young players. How can O'Keefe develop when K- KG and Jedi are playing so well ahead of him? And this good que- good questions from Ross. And those are those are the sort of questions that, that Dougie is the man paid to answer, really. Um, personally, I, can, I can't see a way back for Easter whilst we have David Goodwillie on loan. While we have Aaron Wilbraham, obviously we brought in, and and while we have Glenn Murray playing like Glenn Murray is currently playing, uh, he's, he's a superb striker on this form, and it's I tell you what, Glenn Murray went went off the pitch smiling and clapping. That's how good things have got. <laughs> it, you know, he didn't trudge off. He doesn't take he's, a good photo, Glenn, does he? He always looks yeah, he really miserable, doesn't he? <laughs> but he but he certainly didn't look miserable yesterday. He um, you know, he gave the. Gave the supporters a nice round of applause, and he had a good smile on his face, and that was lovely to see as well. It's great to see him enjoying his football because uh, he can come across slightly miserable, but quality. Even when he had the match ball uh, after he got <laughs> yes, the hat trick yeah. the, the other week, and uh, yeah. and uh, some people were asking him for a picture, and he was like, he looked like someone had just smacked him in the mouth or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like... what I really like about him as well. I really like his uh, answers in interviews. He stops. He stops his answer, but he's, the tone of voice doesn't sound like he's finished answering it. So you get an awkward bit of silence after every question. It gets worse and worse. Anyway, that's just me. I'll shut up. Um, let's quickly summarise the the game, and then we'll get into some talking points. Um, obviously, the team that started there was there was a change, and there's been a few rumblings of discontent about the change. Um, I've just noticed the team that I've just been given is, is that's the wrong one. Let me go back to this one. There we go. I was looking at the team for Wolves. So the the change was Ward came out of the side after a tough time up at Molyneux, where I, you know I thought he did enough to stay in the team. But there we go. Uh, Peter Ramage came back in alongside Damien Delaney, uh, with Blake dropping to right back, and Moxie coming in at left back. Uh, notably, Ramage and Blake did swap, so Ramage went to right back and Blake to centre back later on in the game. Um, and the reasons for that are quite obvious because Blake was. Wasn't quite right. Wasn't quite doing it at right back. Uh, but anyway, KG was back in the midfield um, alongside Mile um, Jedinak. Moritz started the game, which was pleasing to see, uh, with Balassi starting on the right and Zaha starting on the left, and them continuously swapping and traumatising defenders. And Glenn Murray up top. Um, I mean, where where do you start? Really, it was almost a carbon copy of the Cardiff game in a number of reasons, and. 
similarly, we the opening exchanges of that game belonged to Palace, and we had a couple of early efforts. Moritz hit. Um, don't know how close it was in the end. It looked really close from the Holmesdale, but judging by the reaction from the uh, the Sainsbury's end, it wasn't quite um, quite as close as we thought. But he had a he had a long range effort that flashed across the goal. Uh, Wilf had a had a shot that was sort of saved from relatively long range, but then we had those couple of little lapses and and let Burnley in first. Blake didn't definitely didn't get a shot of any any kind and just sort of back tried to back head of the ball. Uh, didn't really go anywhere. There's no didn't really do anything. Didn't put the ball out and didn't and ended up giving it straight back to, to Junior Stanislas and. You know, he cut inside and smashed a, gr- a great shot in a goal, and it was an absolutely fantastic save from Spironi to tip it onto the post. But you know, he got absolutely no luck at all because the rebound went straight to Chris McCann, and he's knocked in the goal. And you know, obviously very frustrating. Everyone's thinking, "Oh, you know, here we go again." And sh- sure enough, a few minutes later, sort of Dean Moxie fails to clear, and then comp- starts complaining. The ball's still in play, and he starts complaining to the linesman that it's a foul. Obviously, without really sort of finishing the. Finishing the move and, and obviously eventually ran to tackle back, but by that time the ball found its way into to Patterson, um, and he's hooked the ball in over his shoulder straight into the top corner, and I don't even know if he meant it. So um, that's my first question, guys. Alex, did he mean that? Um, sorry, can you repeat the question? You know when uh, Patterson scored for them? Uh, did I? I think he was just trying to get it back in the mix. Mm. In my opinion, I've seen well, it a few times, but. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, give him the benefit of the doubt, and yeah, maybe he was trying, but uh, I, I wasn't at the time. I didn't think so, but I, I've seen the replay, and he does look like he is sort of aiming for the goal. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> only he, only he can answer that. What I was uh, going to say was that uh, defensively, obviously, we'll go into it in more detail. I'm sure, but um, all the goals that we give away of late, the last five I can remember, anyway have all been through sort of like individual errors. And we haven't sort of conceded a goal that's been truly well worked. All right, that was a nice goal if it was meant by Patterson yesterday. Don't yeah. know whether it was, but, you know, it was a skillful goal. But generally speaking, all the goals, there's, there's been individual errors prior to, to mm-hmm. the goals. And like the Wolves goal was an error, wasn't it? The uh, couple at Car- against Cardiff... There was errors in those. Um, obviously, we didn't concede at Bolton, but you know, and there was a couple of goals yesterday. And I mean, you're asking a lot for a team to come back from two goals down, home or away. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've done it. We've got away with it. But there's going to nice. be teams who are going to, yeah, who are going to come and and we aren't going to score goals as easy as that. Or we're going to have an off day. Or we're going to hit the woodwork. Or we're going to have a keeper against us who's having a blinder. You know, and. Uh, I just uh, it's a, a that that aspect of the game is a little bit worrying. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, no. I don't know what what other people's views on it are. I didn't think well, I wasn't very happy with the starting back four. I didn't mind how they ended, but I wasn't happy with the way they started. You know, mm. um, he looked out of his depth. Uh, Ramage at right back. He's definitely a better Blake. Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, Blake is yeah, a better yeah. centre half than he is fullback, and uh, and yeah, Freeman um, switched it. <clears throat> Yeah, he did switch it. You're right. He did obviously, well, it's, you know, it's good to see if you make a mistake, it's good to respond to it, I guess. But, um, all right, listen, well, we'll come to that. That's going to be the ma- major talking point, really, is that back four, yeah. I think. So, um, but obviously, we were 2 0 down, and like you say, we did come back. Um, four minutes before the break, uh, just the absolute pass of the season from Andre Moritz. Um, half a length of the pitch, exactly where it needed to be. Zahar showed pace and strength 
and, and power, you know, as well as the skill to finish that. And it's brought us to 2 1. And just wandering around at half time, that everyone was just saying, we're going to win the game. And that's, that's where things are. I was walking around saying, look, it's a big ask. You know, it's a big ask two games in a row to come back from 2 0 down. And we can easily go out there, push for that equaliser, and concede a third and can lose this game. But every, pretty much everyone else was saying, don't talk rubbish, we're going to win. And sure enough, we won. So, um, Obviously, yeah. So uh, just after half time, really, we sort of went straight on the front foot, really, and uh, break broke away. I think from a little bit of Burnley pressure, uh, Maritz ending up with the ball and chose the absolute perfect moment to play Wilf in. Wilf ran straight into the box, drilled the legs through, drew, drew the ball through the legs of the keeper. Didn't drill any drill any legs, <laughs> as far as I remember. Or, or drill the keeper? <laughs> no, that's right. Or drill the keeper. Um, and you know that's two two, and then not long after that we've brought on Williams for the Balassi. Balassi can feel feel a little bit aggrieved to to have been taken off, but if you've got Johnny Williams on the bench, it's great to use him for the ten minutes he was on the pitch. Um, he made a huge huge contribution, a deep cross by Moxie, well, a little bit too long. It's just an absolutely horrific <laughs> piece of skill. I don't mean horrific in a bad way. I've used the wrong word, but just a amazing, stupendous piece of skill to control it. And then just get the ball back in the centre. And there's Damien Delaney. Um, gets his first goal. First tries a little bit of a header. Gets cleared. And then just absolutely smashes it. Takes a deflection in the net. And, and he celebrated like he, like he meant it as well. So there you go. 3-2. And you're thinking. You're still thinking we need another one. And, and sure enough we did get another one. Um, Parr came on for Williams. Who, who's got a groin injury. Hopefully not too serious. But he did not look happy. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. Parr combined with Moxie. A couple of little exchanges of passes put moxie through he drills in a low cross little flick of a low cross off the defender went straight to murray murray finishes first time into the bottom corner seventh goal in seven games to go along with wilf's four in two and you know we're certainly putting them away and yes yes uh austin's pulled a goal back later on because because delaney's fallen over might have to have a look at the boots he's wearing there i think and it got a little bit nervy but four wins in a row you know and there it is so as you've uh rightly Pointed out, Mark. That was uh, in, in our notes. It was the highest league attendance since Reading uh, last season. We had twenty one thousand zero zero two. That was a Philip Sellers Day game. That was. Uh, so this Family Day, usually everyone talks about it. Family Day, we always perform. Usually tend to perform really badly, and no one ever wants to come back. So we've had seven goals and we've won the game and come back amazingly and we play fantastic football. So do we think it's going to help get those people back? What do you reckon, Alex? Uh, yeah. I, I don't see why not. If we're playing this sort of football and scoring that sort of goals, and we've got new eyes seeing, seeing how you know exciting it is to watch, then I don't see why it won't bring them back. Any uh, new people around you at all that you sort of hadn't seen before enjoying themselves? No, not around me. But there was uh, the main stand was unusually very full. It was, yeah. I, I'd swear there was even some noise coming out of it at one point. <laughs> uh, Mark, what's your own thoughts on that? Well, on the family day and people sort of coming back. Well, obviously there'll be um, some who will and some who won't, just on the basis that it was sort of a freebie for some people and and a lot of effort went into um, uh, advertising it, promoting it, leaflets, etc. But, uh, I mean, the club couldn't have done any more. I mean, you know... If you take a step back and you say, right, we're going to put a family day on. It's only Burnley. You know, not the most attractive game on the calendar, but this is what we're going to do. Okay, so, you know, we're going to put this on, this on, and this on. So they did their best. 
and uh, you know off the pitch, and the players did it on the pitch, and you can't ask for much more. I mean, even uh, the chairman wasn't he? He tweeted about um, what great day it was on and off the pitch, and. In that respect, the club can't do any more than that. I did read some interesting stuff on Homestale today. That, I mean, I moved my my seat for that game to the Alpha Weight just um, for a change, just to get a bit of atmosphere in in the Alpha Weight. And um, so I can't comment on whether there was new people. There was obviously more people in in the stand than normal. But I did read on Homestale that there was people noticed there was people from different ethnic backgrounds and so forth at the game, which was interesting. Interesting comment because. There's been a lot of discussion in the past about tapping into the people in the area and, um, you know, and getting, you know, sort of um, other people, other ethnic groups into Palace. Yeah, yeah, trying to be more representative of the local area, yeah, yeah. And and it seemed that from what I've read anyway, in certain parts of the grounds, that was the case, which is a great thing. And, and, And as I say, entertainment wise, the game was fantastic. It had everything you could want, really. From a football match, um, I saw a few threads about I had to queue half an hour for a burger. You know, the food's crap at half time and all that. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to watch a football match. If you want to have something to eat, you know, just give it 90 minutes or whatever, and you can have something either, you know, yeah, before I'm or after. That's not. I'm not interested yeah. particularly. I know it's a family day and all this sort of thing. All right, you know, flooding loos and whatever it isn't really on, but you know, I'm not really there to 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 have a five course meal. So. I'm not really bothered about that, but I think whether they'll come back or not is, you know, success brings people in. I mean, every mm. football club has it. I mean, when when you're doing badly and you're down the bottom, you know, the, the fans dwindle. What was it, 12,000 or something we had when, uh, you know, after we lost our three opening games or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. suddenly, you know, we, we've almost got, you know, about another 9,000 people come in for the family day. Yeah. How many will come back? I know. If if a couple of thousand come back, it's a success, isn't it? If a no, thousand come back, it's a success as well. You've got obviously you've got the long term view as well, and the long term view is that you 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 take a hit by essentially giving tickets away to to young kids because they're that's the age where you become where you make that decision, don't you? Where you go when you, whether you're going to be one of those people who just reads the internet and checks results and stuff like that, or you're one of those people who, who gets down there and shouts your head off. And I think. I think games like we saw um, yesterday, uh, not only do they cost people like you and me, Mark, lots of money and severe headaches, they cost, um, you know, they, they, they also give something to, to, to kids. Imagine that that was your first game as a kid. It's just, yeah, I know, that's, a, that's an amazing introduction to Palace. You've got the disappointment <laughs> followed by the unbelievable Relation, comeback, yeah. followed by the terror at the end that you're both going to throw it all away. It had absolutely everything and it was a, Fantastic display and atmosphere from the from the guys in the HF as well, um, and it was just yeah, it, it did. It genuinely had everything, and I, I thought it was a possibly the best family day I've I've experienced at Palace. I thought it was fantastic. Um, so yeah, yeah, happy times on that. But I mean, obviously, we go back to the, the football. Really, um, fourth successive league win. You say since the first time since December two thousand and seven. Indeed, yeah, that's a hell of a statistic. Um, does seem a while though. Uh, but let's go back to that defence. So, your your best back four um, out out of those you, you you told us earlier. Remind us what it is. Uh, I'd have uh, Ward at right back, Johnny Parr at left back, 
Delaney and Blakerson are halves. That's personally speaking. I can't really comment on Gabidon. I know Paddy's. I spoke to someone who spoke to Paddy and said he, that he's going to be out for at least another six weeks. So I'm just talking at, immediately looking at the Millwall game. That would be the back four I would start with personally. Mm-hmm. Okay, Alex, um, what do you reckon of your, your personal back four that you'd pick? Yeah, for the Millwall game, considering Paddy's out, I'd have to go with Ward at right back. Delaney, uh, centre-back with Blake, and left-back, Parr. Mm. I'm, lean, I'm leaning towards the same. I, I don't, the only thing I don't really know at the moment is how how strong Millwall are in terms of their wing play. Uh, and if, basically, Ward's, Ward's one fault that I can really pick out is that he, and it was, it was ever since he's played, even in pre-season, is that he's not great at stopping across. He's good at, He's you know good at staying with his man. He's good at getting forward. You know he's good at covering the centre backs, which is something we didn't have really when uh, Klein was out there. Klein didn't, didn't didn't do a lot of covering across, and Ward does that really really well. But what he doesn't do is he doesn't stop crosses. So that's my only worry about picking him, and that's why I think Blake uh, is occasionally getting a game out there. And Blake's you know he's a tough character, and I, and I think I think he's capable of playing right back. But uh, you know in terms of about four, I have to I probably have to agree. I probably have to say. Not seeing Gabadon play, he's clearly, you know, he was not going to be match fit, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick him ahead of anyone at the moment. Um, so it's got to be Delaney, um, and Blake's looks solid along, alongside him. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, no, I am. To be honest, I am a fan of Ramage. I'm a fan of, of his his whole attitude, but I don't think he's as good as Ward at right back, and I don't think he's better than Blake at left back. So kind of where I am on that. It'd be interesting to see if uh, listeners got any further opinions on that. Um, I think there is a tweet, isn't there? Um, on the uh, back four, I think it's, yeah, Lee Lee Ward said, uh, well, basically what we said, Ward, Blake, Delaney and Parr. So, and there's one from Cassius Christie as well. It says Ward, Gabadon, Delaney, Parr. That's the int- that is the one the sort of the the unknown element. If 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 it's a fit Danny Danny Gabadon playing to the standard that he can play at, then then I agree he would walk into that team. I think uh, with Paddy out certainly. Does anyone know the status of Gabadon at the moment? You know, fitness wise or how close he is. I mean, he's not appeared for the under twenty ones as an overage player or anything like no, that. No, so. I was expecting him to play against Man City to be honest yeah. with you, but he was nowhere to be seen. So, I, I yeah, just must a, be a fair just, way off. Just heard nothing. He's well. He's not had a pre-season, has he? So, uh, and and Dougie's and has been proved correct to be doing this. Dougie's is very very uh, intent on having players who are fit, you know, in in the squad and who can keep going. I don't. I mean, that's something that's been, been a factor this season. That we we're, we get stronger as the game goes on, um, and the way we closed out the Wolves game in particular was was incre- was very impressive in terms of that. We, we you know we're, we've got a fit bunch out there, and it's it's making a real difference. Did you feel okay, my- yesterday that, um, just sorry, I was just going to say that for the first time this season, after thinking how fit the, all the team and the squad were, maybe it's a number of games that we played lately, but I just thought the last 10 minutes we really looked quite tired. And that's the first time this season that I've noticed it. And I thought we were actually struggling really towards the end. And and, um, and yeah. I, maybe I mean, it was it was a warm day as well. I know, and all this sort of thing. But um, I, I didn't, you know, I. It's been commented on by lots of people about how fit the team looks and mm. and they, how they play for like ninety plus minutes and so forth. And I really thought that some of the players were struggling a bit. 
Dougie did say that that in his post match comments, he did say that it's kind of like the one time this this season where he's thought that the, the guys are starting to look tired because um, they've had you know it's been a difficult week. They've travelled away to Bolton, away to to Wolverhampton. You know, there's there's travelling involved there, and obviously the two good wins, but that took took it out of the lads. And I think you look at see Williams picking up that injury again, and that's you know I'm sure that's got a lot to do with being tired and being on a coach up and down or, or train whichever they did i know they can't occasionally use trains as well but it's you know it's not good really um it, it's you know it's a tough old tough old league and the, the demands are there on everyone really so i don't i don't necessarily think i don't well i don't think we're any different to any other club in that sense other than i think we are we are proving in games to be physically fitter than them but yeah you're right mark they did they did look a little bit tired they weren't dead on their feet or anything but they looked well, we've got an international break, so that's it's a good time to be tired, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, let's let's, let's talk about Moritz because you you wanted to. I won't read out your exact phrasing in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. how good is Moritz? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. It's roughly, <laughs> roughly what it says in there. Yeah. Um, well, it's a question, really. I know we, rather than a statement. It is a question, yeah. yeah. Um, it's 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 hard not to get carried away sometimes, isn't it? And I, where I can see, um, there are some weaknesses to his game, um, and that's you know that's the reason he's not playing in the Premiership or anything like that. But I mean, he's not. He's doing things that that no one else does in that team with with the, with the vision and the. He's one of those players you can just give him the ball and you don't have, you don't have to worry about it. You just He's going to find someone with a pass, and he's always going to hold on to it, or he's going to shake off a couple of defenders and do something sensible with it. He's a very, very good player, and he's something we've been crying out for for a, for a while. And certainly, I think he's one of the one of those little missing links that that Dougie's managed to get from somewhere. Um, right, right I'm very, very things. impressed. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, yeah, well, range, yeah. But um, uh, the uh, point on that's been brought up a few times is he's only on a one-year deal. He's 26, mm. Moritz. He's on a one-year deal. Are we going to, you know, what's he going to want at the end of the year, you know? Is he, is he financially, is he going to be within our budget? Well, or, you know? it's, it's a real tough one, isn't it? Because obviously he's, he's come out and said that he's earning, was it 40% of what he was earning out in Turkey? Um, but he just felt that it was kind of like, Destiny, or what, is, is how I think he described it, uh, that he would end up at Palace. Uh, he seems to be really enjoying it, but obviously we've not got long. We've got, it, you know, it's one of those. If we go, you know, if we're if we're going to go up, if we and which which at the moment you would you cannot say it's an unrealistic thing to start talking about. It's of course it's realistic. You know, we're fourth in the league. We you know we're not far off going top if we beat Millwall, which would be lovely. But. Um, <laughs> but you know the, these is this is no longer a pipe dream this is no longer people getting carried away with with a good run of form this you know we we are proving ourselves as good as anyone in that league at the moment this moment in time whether we can sustain that is a, is a big question and that's what's got to be weighed up because Moritz obviously you know he's not going to hold the club to ransom but at the same time i think part of having a year's deal on a, on a low wage gives him options doesn't it? it it means that if he does play well and Say we're struggling at the bottom of the league and he's playing well, he he could he could be off in January for a small fee, or he could get himself another club somewhere else uh, off the strength of his performances. It just so happens that we're now playing some really really nice football and we're at the upper end, so we've we've got to throw 
something else into the equation and that's can we can we take a risk can we offer him a couple of years at a higher wage with maybe a promise if we go up to give him more or a release clause in his contract or something like that you know if he wants to stay it's a no-brainer we've got we've got to keep him because he's fantastic alex yeah just in relation to the wages you know he's saying that he's taken 40 percent or whatever it is but uh you know if it comes to the end of the season and, and and he hasn't signed a new deal as soon as you know a cardiff come in or something like that with double than what we can offer then i don't think it just you know just footballing terms come into it there's a tweet actually from kieran nash uh chris he says um um no we've done kieran's what it was was patrick o'connor and he said what are your thoughts um he said have you been oh, which one is it um <laughs> can't find it now. Uh, oh, yeah, here it is. It is Patrick O'Connor. Says, do you think there's any way Garvin and Moritz can both play in the same lineup? We would have to sacrifice KG or Jedinak, but what a team. Yeah. Any um, comments, thoughts on that? It's a tough one, isn't it? So it's, is a, it? It's, a, it's, a, it's a really, it's a tough one. Um, I would say that they can certainly, could certainly play in the same team. Yeah, they, they, they could. And it would be Garvin alongside Jedinak with Moritz ahead. Uh, mm. I think that that could, that could easily be done. It's no different than almost in the lineup we played against Wolves with KG out injured. But I wouldn't do it purely on the fact that I wouldn't drop either KG or Jednak now. So no. that's the only way I see it. I, th- I think it's a good question from, from Patrick there. But but yeah, I think I think they c- we could accommodate them, certainly. Uh, and I don't think it would be too dangerous a thing to do so, really. Um, um, well, try it. Oh, I'm just... Getting messages from the I'm, no, I'm getting messages from the producer. We, we're potentially looking at talking to a Brighton fan, but I think we might leave it for next week. By the looks of things, we want to, wanted to have a little chat with uh, some some Brighton supporters or a Brighton supporter. Talk to them about our run of form and their run of form. <laughs> it's an interesting <laughs> situation at the moment. Uh, would have been a bit of fun, but I think we we may well leave that for next week. Looking at things uh, as they are. Oh, I've just noticed it's six minutes past nine. We're getting getting carried away here, guys. Um, but we've still got plenty to cover, and there's there's loads of tweets and stuff. I'll try and get through as much as I can. Wanted a quick word about Williams's groin injury. Uh, Mark, you're asking the question: Is he injury prone? When it's it's starting to look that way, you get that yeah. when players um, when you get players get a serious injury. Obviously, they they come back and they tend to get a lot of muscle strains and things like that. But I think Johnny's biggest problem is being kicked all over the place and. I asked him about that, and there's not a great deal he can do about it, he said, which is fair enough. He didn't have an answer for me. Uh, yeah, the thing is, it's worrying because he's so young, and yeah. since he's broken his leg playing for Wales, then uh, he hasn't ever really regained his full fitness. And, you know, um, I mean, it'd be great. It's great to have him around the squad, but I think, do you think that Doogie's not sort of playing him as much because. He's got other options, or because he's trying to bring him back mm-hmm. gently. I think he's trying to do the right thing that you do with young players. I think you—it's easy to forget, and I think Wilf get has got a lot of stick from people who don't understand this. That you're not—you don't play, you know, teenagers every week, and you don't give them the responsibility of carrying a team. Now we're lucky that that Wilf's a, clearly a strong character. Uh, because for nearly for nearly two years he's been given the responsibility of carrying a team, as, you know, <laughs> pretty much from since he came came into the side. Um, and Williams potentially could have ended up in that same situation. But what what's happened is he's he's we're we're in a position where we can sh- where he can share the burden. And Dougie's been trying to use him correctly. And yes, the injury probably has 
had a, a, an impact on that in that Dougie doesn't want to push him too hard and what have you. But you know, he starts he starts the big games. Um, he started at Wolves, didn't he? He did start at Wolves, yeah. And um, I say, and he did did himself a lot, got a lot of credit there. He got booed continuously by the Wolves fans, um, and that that shows you, you you know you tend to boo good players. Uh, and he's certainly you know if they knew anything about him, they would never have booed him because he's you know obviously the nicest person in the world. But like, yeah, it's just. I don't know. I don't. It's 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 becoming a worry, isn't it? To to see him getting these problems on a constant basis, and it's not nice to see someone you know so dejected walking off the pitch after only being on for ten minutes. Um, and and he's the sort of player you you, you pay to go and see, isn't he? Yes, yeah, you, don't, you don't want to see him off. Um, but there we go. Um, obviously, we talked about the Zaha penalty situation in this one. Um, I, well, I'm gonna, I'll talk to you about it, um, Alex. Uh, from my angle, um, Wilf Zaha got hauled down by someone with both hands on him, just pulled him to the floor. How did you did you see it at all? Uh, I actually missed it, but from the uh, sounds of it, you know, if you get pulled down to the floor, then it sounds like a clear penalty, doesn't yeah. it? But yeah. uh, it's no, it's, it was just it was unbelievably straightforward. But yeah, again, again, it's, it's not really been shown in any, any of the highlights. So I've had a look, they've had a highlights and Palace player. It seems to be missing from that as well, but I don't know. It, if it happens any more often, it's going to be a problem. Um, like you say, we were saying it earlier, it's going to cost us at some point. We're not going to get a penalty when we should. And if you look at some of the, some of the games we played this season, um, certainly the come comeback against Cardiff, and you look at the, the game against Bolton, those are games we've won on account of getting penal- penalties rightly given to us, and you know we might not get that far. Joe, uh, Joe Holyoke, all right, Joe. And said that it was a two-handed push, but a Tom Daly dive. <laughs> you can always rely on Gerald to be, um, yeah, pretty straightforward with things. But there you go. That's that's Gerald's opinion. Um, so I didn't see the dive part myself, but um, but yeah, certainly saw the two-handed push bit. Um, so yeah, okay. Let's um, probably have a quick look through at some of your uh, comments and forward reviews if I can get to them. The only problem is I've been reading bits and pieces for the entire game so i've probably read most of these things oh here we go uh colin gray said dougie's comeback kings alex barton Selhurst park keeps giving I quite like that one uh, ian's ian thompson's one is we won we won I quite like that one as well there's one that came in by email from uh palace radio doesn't say which person at palace radio sent it but it says dreams can come true and it says to quote gabrielle after it <laughs> <laughs> not sure you should quote knowingly quote gabrielle um, there we go. Um, yeah, let's get back to a couple more of these as well. Colin's got a load in here. Um, goal per family day member. Quite like that one. Obviously, four people there. Uh, best day out ever. We've got there as well. Paul Dawson score when we want. That was a chant that came out in the in the game, which was absolutely lovely to hear. Um, <laughs> I also heard we can see when we want, <laughs> which yeah, I thought was rather amusing. But there we go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris Burkett also. We are going up, and it's hard not to feel that way. So, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll probably leave all those there. That's 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 the ones I wanted to pick out. Um, I think we'll also leave the show there. We're not going to preview the Mill game till next week, and obviously that next week as well. We do have uh, an interview with Palace legend Mark Bright. Great self, Mark back. And if you've got any questions at all for Mark Bright, do email them to us, radio at homestyle.net. And we shall deal, deal with those next week. I'm really looking forward to it myself and hope you can join us for it. Uh, thank you to every one of you who's listened today. Really, really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Bye. 
it's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.